And now, America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day, despite the fact that tomorrow is tax day. We'll be talking about that, about what that means, and uh, about what we do about that pesky national debt, which uh, is increasing and increasing and increasing and represents a real danger to our country. Is it necessary to raise taxes? Well, you know what Grover Norquist thinks. He doesn't think so. We'll be talking with him a little bit later this hour on the Michael Medved Show. And uh, there is also more going on in the world of politics where uh, with all of the focus on President Trump, where the consensus is that the focus concerning the Alvin Bragg uh, indictments in uh, New York, that probably actually helped President Trump. Uh, but uh, one of the things that also had helped him had been the feeling that uh, his leading opponent, who hasn't even formally announced his candidacy for president, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, was stumbling and bumbling and uh, actually not uh, offering a particularly inspiring or confidence-building opening to his campaign. And uh, now that's a little bit different because uh, there are more issues involved. Uh, there's some important legislation that he signed. There's activism in Florida where he is working with the overwhelmingly Republican state legislature. And uh, there's also a continuation of his battle with uh, Disney. Uh, one of the things that has made the most attention for Governor DeSantis has been for the first time he has offered a commercial uh, that uh, he is using uh, against um, uh, President Trump. And it is a commercial concerning uh, an issue in which President Trump has attacked him. It's, in a sense, a defensive commercial. And President Trump had attacked him because while um, Governor DeSantis was a member of Congress representing Florida, he had uh, actually gone along with uh, a number of other leading Republicans, including Speaker of the House Paul Ryan, in terms of doing something to save Social Security, because Social Security is in very real trouble right now. And uh, they actually have revised the estimate so that uh, basically there's a piece in the Wall Street Journal about how if uh, you simply follow the Biden approach or you follow the Trump approach, they're the same, basically. You can't touch Social Security. <clears throat> You can't do anything to adjust it. You can't do anything. Well, then you have a problem of running out of money and automatically having benefits cut because you have run out of money. And that would happen as soon as 2035. It would happen relatively soon. So uh, finally, one of the first commercials that... Uh, uh, DeSantis has put on the air. It's from his super PAC. It's uh, his first ad uh, taking aim at Donald Trump. A pro-Trump super PAC had been blasting DeSantis on the air for two weeks, 
concerning uh, DeSantis uh, promising to cut your Social Security. He never actually endorsed that idea. He did endorse the at least considering maybe adding some time to the uh, the, the age of retirement with Social Security, but doing something to save the system. So what he is doing now is uh, offering his own ad uh, as a response to President Trump. Uh, This is that ad. It's uh, clip eight. Trump is being attacked by a Democrat prosecutor in New York. So why is he spending millions attacking the Republican governor of Florida? Trump's stealing pages from the Biden-Pelosi playbook, repeating lies about Social Security. Here's the truth from Governor Ron DeSantis. You know, we're not going to mess with Social Security as Republicans. What did Trump say? Entitlements ever be on your plane. At some point, they will be. We will take a look at that. Trump should fight Democrats, not lie about Governor DeSantis. What happened to Donald Trump? Never back down. Inc. is responsible for the contents of this ad. Okay, um, there's uh, the ad. It gets your attention. Uh, the Never Back Down uh, is the name of the super PAC. But uh, the, the fact of the matter is that it doesn't really offer a realistic look at uh, this deeper problem of Social Security, which it needs to be talked about. The, the other uh, energetic issue where... Uh, all of a sudden, DeSantis has taken a very strong position, is the uh, the new abortion bill in Florida. Now, DeSantis had already gone along with a 15-week abortion ban. In other words, banning abortions after 15 weeks of gestation. And that was the same law, basically, that the Dobbs case had decided in Mississippi. They were they decided the Supreme Court that yes, you can do that. And in the process, of course, they overturned Roe v. Wade. But now uh Florida is competing with Texas for the toughest abortion restrictions in the country. And uh this is uh Lindsey Graham on ABC talking uh about what the Wall Street Journal calls in an editorial today DeSantis's gamble on abortion. Uh, listen, clip 14. Under my legislation, states can be more restrictive, but at 15 weeks, we limit abortion on demand. Uh, my Democratic colleagues are not what you said. They have supported legislation allowing abortion on demand, taxpayer funded up to the moment of birth. DeSantis will have to ask the question, answer the question. Do you support a national ban at six weeks? Why did you pick six weeks? The legislative body of Florida supported what he did. This is an issue worth talking about. Should we be a nation that allows abortion on demand up to the moment of birth with taxpayer-funded uh, 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 money, or should we have limits at 15 weeks like Europe? Should we be like North Korea and China, or should we be more like Europe nationally? Should states have the right to regulate abortion up to a point? These are issues that matter. Should young girls be able to play sports with biological males? The policy of the Biden administration is to allow young uh, children, minor children, to transition, to have their life turned upside down, to allow medical procedures to change gender before, before you get 18 years of age. All of these issues will be on the ballot, and they should be. Okay, the difficulty with the six-week uh, ban... As as a lot of people point out, a 15-week ban 
means that uh, the overwhelming majority of abortions that take place in this country and a majority of abortions today take place through abortion pills. And those pills have to be used in the first 10 weeks. The first 15 weeks, that's 93% of all abortions take place in that time period. If you're going back, as uh, uh, DeSantis just did, he signed a bill, a change in the Florida legislature, to go from a 15-week ban to now banning abortions, all abortions, beyond six weeks. The uh, Wall Street Journal writes, the Florida law will now be one of the country's most restrictive. The state had a 15-week ban, but abortion opponents deemed that too expansive since more than 90% of abortions occur before 15 weeks. But the new law amounts to a near ban because at six weeks, many women may not know they're pregnant. The law has restrictions for rape, incest, and human trafficking pregnancies up to 15 weeks. It also had an exception if the life of the mother is endangered. Drugs that induce abortions would have to be dispensed in person, not by mail. Democrats will portray this as a blanket ban, and every poll of public opinion says voters oppose a ban, even as they support some abortion restrictions. But if Mr. DeSantis runs for president, he will have to defend the law on the national stage. He will thus be presented with the challenge facing any political figure who believes the morality of a cause that is unpopular. More coming up. What about Tim Scott? Different answer. Coming up on the MedVet Show. For special discounts on history shows, check out MedVetHistoryStore.com. Michael Medved show news story from Fox uh, yes they're still very much on the air as they're waiting for their trial to begin tomorrow and it will begin tomorrow in the morning in Delaware uh, and uh, it will be uh, of all of the trials that uh, actually matter uh, and this concerns the potential prosecution of President Trump for holding top-secret government documents at Mar-a-Lago, for President Trump at trying to overturn the Georgia election, uh, for President Trump uh, for uh, misstating the value of his companies, that New York State case, all of them, all of them, all of them. The one that matters the most is the Fox uh, defamation case because you have a chance of the two sides actually agreeing that what Fox was saying about a stolen election was just crap, and that it had no basis at all. Uh, with all of that going on, uh, this is going to be a very, very important case when it begins tomorrow. Meanwhile, Fox is reporting today that Republican Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina, who is campaigning in New Hampshire... Uh, yes, he has already organized an exploratory committee. He has not yet officially announced his candidacy, but he will. Uh, Republican Senator Tim Scott said there's no question that he would support a, a federal ban on abortion at 20 weeks. And uh, he would potentially consider a 15-week limit. The 15-week limit is common all around the world. 
Uh, and uh, again, uh, Scott, who they describe in Fox as a rising star in the GOP and the only black Republican in the Senate, made news in New Hampshire as he told local TV station WMUR that if elected president, he would support a 20-week federal ban on abortion. He reiterated that position a couple of hours later in an interview with Fox News at a cafe in Manchester, the state's most populous city. And by the way, don't let that give you... Manchester's still under 100,000. It's not a big, big town. But he went a step further. He said at least 20 weeks. There's no question that I think the 15 weeks, there's a lot of reasons for us to understand that, the viability. Scott told Fox News on his second day of campaigning in the crucial early presidential nominating states of Iowa and New Hampshire after launching his presidential exploratory committee. The, um, the idea about this is that most people don't realize that uh, that 12 weeks, 15 weeks, 20 weeks, that's common all over the world. 75% of all the nations of the world, including 27 of the EU countries, do not permit abortions past 12 weeks. And why not? Because there's a recognition that most people have that there's something about late-term abortions, the final trimester, or even the second trimester. This is recognized in the text of Roe v. Wade. Even in the second trimester, uh, there is a baby who is developing. And it is a, a, a different matter, morally, ethically, to most people, uh, whether the, the, the baby is tiny and just conceived. And I know there are many, many people, and there's religious teaching, believes that that just conceived baby is also sacred and is also deserving of respect and defense and certainly you mourn the baby when even if it's a very small baby when it's lost in a miscarriage or anything however the idea that there are only three of 42 european countries that permit any abortions after 15 weeks that's unless the life of the mother is threatened unless there is a major health issue only six other countries allowed uh, elective abortions after 20 weeks. That's North Korea, <laughs> China, uh, Vietnam, Canada, uh, Singapore, and uh, the Netherlands. So you're talking about all the Scandinavian nations uh, that we we look at as so enlightened and and they are in so many ways but they do not permit ab abortions past 15 weeks which is uh, one of those things that uh, I, I think that Tim Scott is right to emphasize. Uh, Governor DeSantis uh, also just got a response or at least it's kind of a response it's a little bit confusing, but it's from you-know-who, Donald Trump, on uh, his Truth Social website. And he uh, he says to DeSantis, who just launched the commercial that we played for you, uh, it's actually a commercial that has to do with Social Security. This has to do with guns. But uh, Trump says nobody has been stronger for the Second Amendment than President Donald J. Trump. And yet Ron DeSantis...
uh, took an uh, advertisement this weekend saying, of all things, I was in agreement with crazy Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. Uh, I think what he's referring to is the mention of Schumer and Pelosi's name in that anti-Trump commercial that we played for you a moment ago. Uh, Trump says not, capital N, capital O, capital T. Wow, that's like Democrat disinformation. And this weekend at the NRA convention in Indianapolis, I had by far the biggest crowd. And I got not even close the most enthusiastic ovations. Those things are true. I was there in person. Well, yeah, it appeared he was. De Sanctus didn't even show up. Was concerned he would be booed, exclamation point. He uh, also took some satisfaction at the NRA convention with uh, Mike Pence, another potential rival for President Trump, uh, who actually did get booed. Uh, I'm not at all sure that DeSantis would have been booed if he uh, appeared um, by uh, by tape or by Zoom. He, he uh, DeSantis also announced that uh, more on the war on Disney. We have time for clip 19. Three, two, four, one of Florida statutes uh, provides the legislature with the authority to revoke development agreements in this exact type of instance. And so I've worked with both uh, leaders of the House and Senate. Uh, there is a bill uh, that will be put out in the Florida legislature uh, that will make sure that the agreements purported to be entered into by Disney uh, are revoked and the people's will is established and is upheld. And that okay, um, more on the war on Disney, and again, uh, clearly trying to appeal to social conservatives who might otherwise be drawn to President Trump. I, I'm not sure that the war on Disney is an example of good governance uh, or particularly brilliant politics. But uh, what is an example of good governance and brilliant politics is holding the line on taxes. Uh, we'll be speaking with Grover Norquist coming up. Grover Norquist of Americans for Tax Reform, who has been uh, crusading to try to lower the tax burden on the American economy and to give people back more of their own money. He's been crusading for that for 40 years, maybe more. Uh, he's president of Americans for Tax Reform. It is tax day tomorrow. Uh, that's partially because of the whole schedule involving uh, Easter Sunday. And uh, okay, so it's not April 15th, it's April 18th this year. So um, the uh, IRS was a bit late in releasing the plan for its $80 billion expansion. Why did that happen, Grover? Well, that's a good question because the Secretary of the Treasury, Yellen, now, I want to see it from you in six months. She gave them six months to write it out. And 
Of course, I would have thought that if I was going to ask somebody for $80 billion, I might have the plan written down before I asked for the money. Um, but the IRS didn't do that, or if they did it, it was secret. Uh, they were 48 days late on what Janet Yellen wanted. And when they turned in their homework 48 days late, they didn't have what she asked for, which was give us 10 years of how you're going to spend $80 billion. We got two years, which takes you right up, oh, I don't know, till the next election. So they're willing to tell you what they're going to do up until the election, and you'd know it by then anyway. What they're not willing to do is tell you year three after the next election, or four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. So uh, they continue to pretend that the administration is unaware of what the plans are and that they haven't decided. In point of fact, we've actually heard from journalists who are friendly with the IRS that, that they have a year three all laid out. They just didn't want to share it yet. Okay, the, this $80 billion, that's supposed to produce more money, take more money from the American people more effectively, uh, and more than pay for itself. Uh, what's the story behind those numbers? Well, they make an, a series of assumptions, uh, and of course, what they really wanted was a score from uh, the federal government that said, if you give them $80 billion, you'll get another one or $200 billion in revenue. They have played this game before. This used to be something that politicians did all the time. They'd say, I would like to build a bridge, and please hire four more IRS agents, and that'll pay for it. Well, since that never actually panned out, the government used to say you can't do that anymore. You can't make assumptions based on what you're going to spend on IRS agents to how much money you have. They went back to allowing that for purposes of Biden justifying that his massive new spending wouldn't increase the deficit. Uh, so they just presume that's the case. Now, they, the IRS will tell you what they're going to do with this money. And the IRS has been saying they want to dramatically increase the number of audits of small businesses. They want to go after independent contractors. And most recently, within the last couple of weeks, they announced new plans to go after people who make a living on tips, uh, barbers, uh, waiters and waitresses in restaurants. That's generally not billionaire territory. Uh, so while Biden says we're only going to go after the billionaires or people who make more than $400,000 a year, uh, in point of fact, the IRS is sharpening their they're razor blades for uh, people who wait tables, people who are independent contractors, Uber drivers, plumbers, uh, you know, your usual billionaires. Okay, there has been a, a, a great deal of discussion recently, and now there are even ads back and forth between uh, DeSantis and, and Trump. Uh, concerning the state of Social Security. And, uh, of course, we're all, we have all of these problems right now. We have the looming default of the government and the need to raise the debt ceiling. Is it realistic to take the position that uh, both President uh, Trump and President Biden take that Social Security is just fine? We don't have to worry about it going bust? Uh, no, everybody understands that Social Security and Medicare are under present law going to go bust, going to spend much more money than they bring in. And you can do one of two things. 
you can raise taxes, which is what the Democrats want to do, and evidently what Trump is planning to do, since he thinks reforming the system to cost less is, is a dirty trick, uh, every Republican in Congress has voted to try and reform uh, the entitlement programs back uh, a number of years ago, four years in a row, the Republican Congress had these discussions and, and voted these through. We got a bunch of reforms that were one vote away from being um, uh, passed when Trump was president, and he supported that then. We lost the vote of McCain, uh, so we didn't have it. But yes, entitlements of many forms will either have to be reformed to cost less, uh, or there'll be massive tax increases along the lines of what the Europeans live with. Okay, and with with all of that uh, going on, it, do you think there's a chance that they might get some meaningful deal along the lines that Speaker McCarthy described today uh, to help protect this country from uh, default and from an economic disaster? Well, we did it. Um, 11, 12 years ago, when uh, Obama, who is every bit as left-wing as Biden's advisors, uh, and uh, we got uh, $2.4 trillion in debt ceiling increase, which is what Obama wanted to get him past the next election, which it did for him successfully, uh, and also what, uh, what, what, what Obama got, got him past the next election. Biden wants to do the same thing. Uh, and we got $2.4 trillion in a reduction from their planned spending. Okay, not from what they were spending, but their plans were brought down. And that was a tremendous savings long term out into uh, eternity when they actually, with the sequester, put a limit on spending and even included defense spending. Uh, and they brought down, they bent down the cost curve uh, in, in spending. And they did it without raising taxes. The world didn't end. The, we didn't go bankrupt. We didn't, uh, you know, not pay our uh, interest payments. Uh, that something along those lines could be uh, easily accomplished. And this is what the Republicans are putting forward. The Democrats' position is you have to do it right now in a clean, you know, clean meaning no amendments. Well, half the time there have been amendments to the uh, debt ceiling increase. So it's not something that's unusual. We've often gone up until the last moment, you know, just minutes away, actually gone over the last moment, once when the Democrats were in charge of everything. So there's no hurry. We are months away from having to uh, finalize things. And yes, there's plenty of reasonable spending restraint that one could do over time uh, to make it worth the Republicans' while to say, okay, we will allow you to raise the debt ceiling because we see some reforms enacted that are real, not the, I'll give you $2 of spending restraint, pretend for $1 of tax increase that the Democrats did to George Herbert Walker Bush when they just destroyed his presidency by getting him to vote for a tax increase for spending cuts that were never going to happen. Those spending cuts have to be in entitlements or they're not real. And uh, that is always a challenge. Uh, Grover Norquist will post the most recent information from Americans for Tax Reform at our website at michaelmedved.com. Uh, coming back, a leading Democrat says, time to raise the minimum wage right now. 
How will that work with inflation? Uh, we will get to that and more coming up on the MedVet Show. Entertain your brain. It's awesome. Every day on the And on the Michael Medved show, uh, we must raise the minimum wage to a living wage, says uh, Bernie Sanders. Uh, In the richest country on earth, if you work 40 hours a week, you shouldn't have to live in poverty. Uh, Congress can no longer ignore the needs of the working class of this country says uh, Senator Sanders of Vermont at a time of massive and growing income and wealth inequality and record-breaking corporate profits we must stand up for working families many of whom are struggling every day to provide a minimal standard of living for their families one way to do that is to raise the federal minimum wage to a living wage in the year 2023 nobody in the US should be forced to work for starvation wages etc 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 the the truth of the matter is that the cost of living is different in every state and the idea of a huge rise in the federal minimum wage where does the money come from Uh, in other words there are only there's only one place really where the money comes from which is that the businesses that you're working for uh, will need to raise their prices and at a time when uh, Americans are being pulverized by inflation it's impossible to go to the market I mean again I my wife does almost all the marketing in our family but it's one of those things that it's impossible not to notice now and uh, there was a little bit of a hope that we might be able to get the soft landing and the inflation might be able to come down without driving us into a recession. But who knows, the idea of a, a massive minimum wage, of course that leads directly to increased prices. Where else does the money come from? Uh, when you look at it's one of those things when you actually look at the amazement of any American supermarket and all of the different products that you have and and the astonishing variety of stuff that you can buy and basically how does the market make a living when they make a literally on most of those food stuffs that you're buying pennies per per item the the idea that you're you're now going to have to increase your uh, your costs uh, again it, it's just campaign rhetoric and I don't even know Bernie Sanders has not yet ruled out uh, his uh, his uh, running a third time for president of the United States after all Trump is running a third time uh, Biden is actually running a fourth time for president so why not. Uh, Bernie who's older than all of them there's a very powerful piece in uh, the Wall Street Journal by Kimberly Strassel today where she talks about the Dianne Feinstein thing and and the Dianne Feinstein thing is she has shingles which is a very serious matter when you're 89 years old 
when you're 89 years old, kind of everything is a serious matter. I mean, you're uh, up there above the national life expectancy. And uh, right now, the the issue that uh, Kimberly Strassel writes about, how the Democrats are discovering the age issue, is uh, they're asking questions about... Uh, Diane Feinstein, the senior senator from California, 89 years old, and her inability to serve on the Senate Judiciary Committee and to help these uh, Democrats in the U.S. Senate uh, actually use their majority, because it's only a one-vote majority. They can't use that majority, because even though uh, they, they now have uh, John Fetterman, who is back from his emotional disturbances, where he said he uh, didn't know the difference or didn't really realize if he was alive or dead. He, he uh, was uh, didn't know whether he wanted to live or die. It was that bad. Okay, now he's back in the Senate, and I'm sure he's far more cheerful and positive. But uh, Dianne Feinstein is not. And uh, the, the point that Kimberly Strassel makes is that the, the Democrats... Uh, some of them, Ro Khanna, a congressman from California who was already supporting one of the people who's supposed to be succeeding Dianne Feinstein. Uh, he's supporting uh, uh, Ro Khanna, Barbara Lee from Oakland. Uh, with with all of this going on, they, they uh, are not looking seriously yet at the still unannounced candidate for president uh, named Joe Biden. And uh, Biden said that somehow he has now decided to go forward with a formal announcement of candidacy because of his trip to, uh, uh, to Ireland. Why? He says because his trip to Ireland showed him what can be done. I I'm not sure what he means by that, but then again, that's often the case with... Uh, the president. Uh, Jamal Bowman, who is a uh, member of the squad, New York congressman, former uh, middle school principal, is now talking about a new human right. And uh, you think we're spending too much already? Well, wait till uh, people like Representative Bowman go forward with this particular human right. Listen, clip 18. We are fighting here today first for housing as a human right. Let me hear you say it. Housing is a human right. Okay, though this sounds like a zombie rally, uh, do you remember Jesse Jackson's son, the son of Reverend Jackson, who was a congressman who, who uh, later went to jail? But uh, he had introduced uh, all of these different amendments to the Constitution that he wanted to push through Congress and then get approved in the states where it would define housing as a human right, it would define transportation as a human right, it would define food as a human right, that all of these rights would be added to the Constitution. The, the whole idea that uh, the government is going to provide all of these things, how does the government do that except uh, by taking uh, um, funds 
and wealth that people have earned and uh, and then uh, going ahead and giving those funds uh, to people who didn't earn them, giving those resources. Meanwhile, there are other issues, too, including the issue of mass shootings. There was a terrible shooting at a birthday party in Dadeville, Alabama, over the weekend. Uh, and then there was a uh, another shooting in Louisville at a park at 9 p.m. on a lovely spring evening. They, I don't believe they've apprehended the shooter yet. Two people dead there. And uh, then another shooting in Kansas City of a young man who rang the wrong address uh, startled uh, an 82-year-old um, a gun owner and was shot. He, it looks like he will survive. Uh, with all of that going on, Nancy Mace had uh, this to say about the mass shootings as an issue. Listen. And Republicans can no longer be silent on this issue. And it's not about the Second Amendment. There are plenty of things that we can be doing besides offering prayers in silence. Some sort of amber alert, for example, to let the community know there's been a shooting. Strengthening our background checks is something that the vast majority of Americans support. Hardening our schools, churches, and synagogues so that there is deterrence, so that when a shooter, potential mass shooter, enters a place, that they know that maybe they're not going to make it through because there's bulletproof doors, bulletproof windows. Uh, you know, it, those kinds of common sense things are all things that every American on either side of the aisle can get behind. But yet, every time there's a mass shooting, and they're increasing every year, every week, we just, we don't say anything, we want to bury our heads in the sand and hope that it goes away. But guess what? It's not going away. And I see it. I'm in a very purple district, even though I'm in South Carolina. It is an issue that continues to be a problem for Republicans, and we've not learned anything from the midterm elections if we're going to sit here on our hands silently, not offering any type of solution to reduce gun but, violence in our country. And it's not about you, gun control. Okay, I, I think that's a very good example of the way that a Republican, smart Republican like Nancy Mace, can actually address the issue of mass shootings and violence uh, and, and acknowledge that there are things that you can do without violating the constitutional right to keep and bear arms. Uh, what about the uh, idea that Trump is an almost sure winner of the nomination? Could that be a good thing for the Republican Party? Matt Lewis coming up in This Greatest Nation.